this Pride, everyone's coming through for the Trevor Project on YouTube Shorts. Join us! Create a short showing how you're stepping up for Pride using the hashtag YouTubePrideChallenge. Come through for Pride on YouTube Shorts. Visit YouTube.com backslash Pride. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to episode 94 of the Snyder Cut. I remember 1994. Those were the days. I am Jeff Snyder, senior film reporter at Collider, and we have got a busy show for you this week. Let's start at the top, though, with uh, some some somber news, um, although there's hope. There's hope behind it, and that is uh, that Bob Odenkirk, you know, had a, had a heart attack or a, a heart-related incident, as they called it, uh, this week on the set of Better Call Saul. It sounds like he just kind of, uh, you know, passed out or, or yeah, um, collapsed, and um, they rushed him. You know, obviously, he was, in, he was in good hands. They took the best of care uh, with him in, in Albuquerque, where he's beloved. He's beloved across the world and uh you know it was, it was touch and go there i think for the first day we didn't really hear much which is never really a great sign you kind of want that that thumbs up so that the you know the stadium can uh, applaud and everything but um so it took a day to get that and then i think it was his son that went on twitter and said you know he's going to be okay and, and thank god for that uh you know I, I don't watch better call Saul or anything but i, I know the fans of that show obviously you know, want to see that show continue. I hope that he, he makes a speedy recovery. Um, I've been watching Bob Odenkirk for like 20 years or so. I mean, going back to Mr. Show. Uh, and it was great to see all of his past collaborators sort of come out and, um, you know, and just support him and, and offer really kind, you know, thoughtful words. So yeah, uh, everybody here at the Snyder Cut, which includes just myself, really. And I'm sure Thad Williams, though, our producer, uh, wishes Bob Odenkirk a speedy recovery he feels better soon um okay news wise a lot happened today busy day let's talk about scarlett johansson suing disney over the release of black widow holy cow saw that break in the wall street journal i believe um and the gist of it is this the the hybrid model right they're going to you know, Disney Plus and theaters on the same day. Sounds like it may end up costing Scarlett Johansson $50 million. That's a lot for any actor, even someone like ScarJo. Um, I mean, you know, HBO Max sort of paid out its talent, you know, like Wonder Woman and uh, Patty Jenkins and like, I'm, I'm sure that there are many others who, who they had to, uh, you know, shell out bonuses to because they know that the movies release day and date on HBO Max, like they're not going to hit the same plateaus or whatever the box office milestones that uh, were initially projected um i mean you know i i i agree that the studios kind of have to do this because there are still a lot of people who are you know reticent to go back to theaters i don't think like my dad's rushing back to a theater anytime soon and yeah they want to watch movies at home sorry i gotta stop uh in that middle board on this table like i do think that the best thing is to have an option for the consumer. So I can't really blame Disney or Warner Brothers for, for you know, embracing that model. Um, it seems like Scarlett had, you know, fears that this was going to happen even before the pandemic and then received assurances that it wouldn't. Um, but yeah, it's like if a Disney, if Disney wants to launch a streaming service, right, with, with this stuff, it shouldn't have to do it on the backs of, you know, Scarlett Johansson, she's not the one who should be taking a $50 million hit so that Disney can launch a, a streaming service. Like, I'm not saying that they need to um, compensate her the exact same way. I don't think that they owe her $50 million, but I think if they need to come to some sort of halfway point or $25, 30000000 million to, like, keep her happy, I mean, she was the female lead in their biggest franchise ever. Really? Right? The MCU? Avengers? Uh, I, would, I would take care of her, especially if she's going to end up doing um, that Tower of Terror movie, you know? I wonder, you know, I wonder if this bodes well for that. Um, but like, clearly she, she is entitled and, you know, you got to fight for every penny, penny these days, even if you're a huge star like her, like the studios and accounting and stuff, it's, it's all super shady. Um, so yeah, hope, hopefully they make her, if not whole, then like, you know, halfway to three quarters of the way there, because she certainly deserves something um she shouldn't have to bear the brunt of that it's basically what i'm saying um 
Meanwhile, across town, David Ayer dropped an epic statement about the Ayer cut, right? Which he says only, you know, a, a handful of people have seen and anyone who tells you that they've seen it is lying, right? So the people who have seen it apparently are, are sworn to secrecy. Um, listen, I, I was applauding David Ayer after reading the statement. I think he's the man. Like, it, it was just like, you guys had a, had a hard knock life. He has lived a life and, and you know, I, I, I've lived a life. Uh, it, may, it may not look that way from the outside, but I don't know. I, I see a lot of sheltered people in criticism who, who haven't really lived a life, as they say. Uh, and, and it's just tough to see people throw stones. Like, you know, they, they think that they know more about filmmaking than actual filmmakers on Twitter, on Reddit. Just it, it's got to be driving him crazy. And, and he's a guy who, who doesn't like to toot his own horn, really, who, you know, lives by this certain code of omerta, uh, this code of silence. And so, yeah, he was like, I haven't, I'll never really say like everything that really went down on, on Suicide Squad. I haven't said I never will. And he's just old school like that. And I respect that. Now, you know, on the flip side of that, it's like, you can't just say, well, trust me, my movie was amazing. And, you know, it's all the studio's fault. Like I'm sure Warner Brothers meddled, like that's what Warner Brothers does. Uh, and sometimes it's to good effect and sometimes it's to bad effect. Like, you know, sometimes there are good notes and bad notes, but I just, it, it's tough for me to just like give air the benefit of the doubt on everything. Like you made this movie, man. If you, like Warner Brothers, you, you and Warner Brothers made this movie. There are certainly decisions in here that you have to take some responsibility for that are just absolutely baffling. And, and maybe, you know, Warner Brothers made my expectations too high because the first trailer was so incredible. Um, which, you know, is why I called it the, 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 the summer's most disappointing film and possibly the most disappointing film of all time and, and Mashable. Uh, that was one of the few reviews I've written that I actually remember. I mean, I hated The Suicide Squad. It, it's horrible. Um, but like there are things in it, like he created, you know, Margot Robbie with, uh, you know, and Harley Quinn, like he helped her craft that character that was under his direction. And, and now she's on Birds of Prey in this new Suicide Squad movie. So like his fingerprints are on this, this DCEU to some extent. And I think he does deserve credit for that. Um, yeah, there, there are elements that he introduced in that film that continue to, to you know, have value, I think. But uh, yeah, on the whole, like the movie was bad. And, and I think you just kind of like have to take the hit on that. Even if you don't, if, even if you want to like disown the movie or be like, that wasn't my movie. Like, well then, you know, somebody directed it, somebody made it. Uh, it's not even like a, a Snyder situation where like a new director kind of came in um, like Whedon. So it's, it's uh, I'm of two minds of it, but I do applaud David Ayer. And I thought, he, you know, it was, it was, classy of him to to show his support for James Gunn's movie which I'm seeing Monday night and uh, I, I'm, I'm excited for it I mean everyone says it's really great do I trust any of these people not a lick not as far as I can throw them but you know you can always get the straight shit from me on comic book movies uh, one, one of the few proud to say uh, speaking of comic book stuff there's a lot um, okay let's start with last week's big scoop black superman yeah, uh, didn't really see that coming. I'll be honest, it wasn't something I was tracking for like a long time. Um, that's the way these things kind of happen. Sometimes someone just drops something into your lap. But uh, so yeah, Michael B. Jordan was initially sort of loosely attached to play Black Superman. I don't know why I keep calling him Black Superman. He's Superman, uh, played by a Black actor. Um, and... I think as the, as the legend has it, <laughs> Michael B. wanted a lot of control. And Warner Brothers is not going to just give control to an actor with a spotty track, producing track record, I would say, spotty. Um, I don't like it, they're just giving him, you know, full, full control of, of that character. So Michael uh, was like, you know what, you know, do your own thing, that's cool. They brought in J.J. Abrams to produce it. And, you know, he's going to hire, um, I mean, they, ha they have a black writer on it, Coates, and they are going to hire a black filmmaker in all likelihood. Uh, and I can't wait to see who they cast. But Michael Lee was like, you know what? I, I, I'm flattered that you're thinking of me, but I'm taking myself out of the running. Meanwhile, executives at HBO Max, who are, you know, a different set of executives than Warner Brothers, they're like, Michael B. Jordan, Black Superman, not a bad, not a bad deal. What if we 
give Michael the creative controls that he wanted. And so that's how this sort of came about, I guess. There is, it is a limited series. When I first heard about it, it was unclear whether it was a, a movie or a show. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that was quickly, quickly clarified that J.J. Abrams is doing the movie. J.J. Abrams is the movie man and uh, Michael is doing the show and it's about Valzad. So it's not about Clark Kent. Um, but yeah, Black Girl Nerds wrote a really interesting article like about like, well, okay, if you're doing Black Superman, like there's there are two perfectly good Black Superman characters. Like, why are you just making Clark Kent Black? Uh, there, that, that's erasure. And I mean, it, you know, um, it was a whole thing. Like, I would definitely recommend going to to read that article. Or And if you don't, then just, just you know, re read the points that I um, uh, used from it, cited, uh, of course, uh, in, in my own article. But it was just, uh, you know, I, I don't know why we would necessarily need a Michael B. Jordan produced show with someone else's Superman. Like, I have a feeling he would be playing Superman. I mean, I, I just don't know why you do this, you know, to if, if you're not playing him. So I would expect Michael B. Jordan to, to likely star uh, if everything goes according to plan, you, you know how quickly these things change with HBO Max and DC projects and all that stuff. Um, speaking of HBO Max and DC, we can pivot uh, to J.K. Simmons back as, um, right, Commissioner Gordon in Batgirl. And I guess this is somewhat surprising. Um, I don't know if people thought that Jeffrey Wright was going to do that. Um, but like, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, um, Matt Reeves's Batman movie slash trilogy, uh, is existing, you know, like on its own terms. Right. I mean, along with maybe the, the, the show that he's doing, you know, which may be like a sort of, um, set in the same universe, I imagine, but I, I think it's, it stands alone from the rest of the DCU. So it kind of makes sense that they have their own Gordon in, um, in this and on H, you know, uh, HBO Max rather than in theaters. Great to have JK Simmons back. He's, he's great. I really liked him in that role. And I think that this, this uh, movie would, would benefit from him um, in his presence. What else? What else did I want to say about that? Anything? Uh, Batman. Yes, Batman. Heard the Batman maybe not quite coming together like people thought it was. I think that that trailer looked amazing. I love everything about it, uh, but it has been awfully quiet. It's been a little quiet, a little too quiet. Um, I just wonder if we'll hear like about a significant round of reshoots or anything like that. That, that that'll be interesting to keep tabs on. Um, I just, you know, I, I don't know if there's anything to rumors that, that uh, you know, Matt Reeves and Pattinson sort of butted heads at times on, on that set. But I also think it was a very stressful shoot. I mean, this is in the middle of the pandemic. Like it's, you know, tensions are high all over town. It's it, everyone's stressed. It's been a weird time. Just look at like the way customers are behaving at restaurants and stuff. I mean, not to say this was a behavioral thing, but uh, I'm sure it was a stressful shoot. That's all I'll say. Um, hopefully though, it all comes together like we all want. I mean, again, I think it looks awesome. So, uh, the Exorcist trilogy, this one was a bit of a mind blower. I mean, it could either be genius or it could either be super dumb. Um, so Jason Blum, the man who convinced Hollywood that you just, you know, you, all you need is five or 10 million to make these horror movies and you could make huge profits with them. He just struck a $400 million deal uh, for three movies about The Exorcist, like a, a brand new trilogy that is going to bring back Ellen Burstyn and her character, which is like, you know, not exactly the same thing as Jamie Lee Curtis and, and Laurie Strode, not at all. That could be a, an epic miscalculation there. Uh, but it's going to start Leslie Odom Jr., um, who's going to be the father of like a possessed girl, I believe, who likely, you know, tracks down Ellen Burson's character, you know, to be like, hey, you went through this before. Like, what, what do I do? Who do I call? What, what, what's going on? Um, 400 million is a lot for something like this. Um, but what does that really boil down to? Like 130 million a movie? These movies could 
make twice that sorry internationally uh i mean who you know who knows like just look at the conjuring numbers it's like staggering if, it, if one of these movies makes three or four hundred million like you're you, it, they pay for themselves um you know so it must be david gordon green and, and jason blum getting rich off this and to an extent morgan creek uh you know which has the rights i mean they're, they're the rights holders this doesn't happen without them I mean, The Exorcist has been done though. Like it's fucking, we've had five Exorcist movies, right? The, 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 the trilogy. And then there were like two prequels. Um, there was a TV show, which like, you know, maybe was on the air longer than I expected, but I, like never really had serious buzz. Uh, it's really just that first film that we're talking about. The Exorcist 3, I, I think is super cool. I, like I'd much rather watch The Exorcist 3. It's like a cult classic, but you know, like that doesn't give you anything for, for this trilogy or not much material any, anyways. Um, so yeah, like what is this going to be? The Black Conjuring? Is that what we're talking about basically? I'm, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Jason Blum thinks that he can, you know, replicate the success that he's having with the Halloween movies with Exorcist and hey, more power to him. Um, I, you know, this is a, a bit of a shocking figure but if it includes all like the back ends and the buyouts and all that shit, maybe it's a little bit more understandable. Uh, was Universal really that worried about losing this to like Netflix or, or Amazon? Like I, I wouldn't have sweat that if like, if I was Universal and Amazon is like, we've got three Exorcist movies coming up. I'd be like, eh, okay, good luck with that. I mean, let me ask you, would you pay 400 million for Fear Street? Fear Street got real buzz, you know, in July, like, that was a fucking thing. Those those kids in you know uh, in the movies, that their Instagram followings must have gone from like ten thousand, twenty thousand to two hundred fifty thousand. Uh, so so that is like a, a big deal. Exorcist. I just don't know with horror. Like, do you want to skew young? You want you want those teenagers, right? Leslie Odom Jr. and Alan Burstyn doesn't have the same ring as Michael Myers and. Jamie Lee Curtis back as Laurie Strode. It just doesn't. So bit of a gamble there for Universal. We'll see. Man, this is a good show. Good episode today. We got a lot of stuff. Lakeith Stanfield and Tiffany Haddish doing the Haunted Mansion movie at Disney, but they're not playing husband and wife. They're not playing like the family at the center of it. Uh, I think Tiffany Haddish is playing, you know, like a, a psychic, which you can just obviously see in your head. That's easy. And then Lakeith Stanfield is some sort of like, you know, down on his luck, like tour guide uh, or something like that. Um, I like this pairing a lot. I definitely like it. It's a good payday for, for Lakeith too. Um, yeah, I, I was just a little surprised that they're not actually playing, you know, the, the parents at the center of this because, you know, it, it is obviously about a, a family that checks into the Haunted Mansion. Um, yeah, really, really like the two of them. That, that could be good. That could be good, especially in um, Justin's hands, the uh, Dear White People guy uh reggae jean page this this is interesting so reggae jean page who's in the gray man good for him um you know that that is a ryan gosling chris evans joint uh, from the russo brothers but this guy he, he signed on to do chris pine's dungeons and dragons movie so okay it's not all on him that's a chris pine movie he's part of the ensemble now he's actually starring in the saint he's going to be front and center and the saint I mean, let's be honest here. The Saint and Dungeons and Dragons are C-list Paramount franchises. The Saint could be interesting just with like all the disguises and, and the different, you know, changes and, and you know, it, there's some stuff to play there. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons could end up surprising just because I, I do like um, Goldstein and Daly, the directors who did Game Night, but like Reggae John Page, I feel like he is a bit of a media creation. I mean, I didn't watch Bridgerton. So like, I don't know this guy's work at all. I know he's a good looking guy and women love him. Uh, and and everybody loves reggae, right? Reggae John, RJP. Um, may not be the greatest actor. Not sure. Uh, I, again, I haven't seen his work, so I can't judge. I just talked to people who said you know when, when i brought up these two choices they were just like yeah you know like what do you what do you expect like he's a good looking guy um but yeah if i was him and i was really trying to like carve out a career with some longevity this is not the way to go and do it 
this is payday city this i mean I'd, I'd go and find some indies which we have not really seen him join i'd go track down some top directors i mean again and i like the, the dungeons and dragons boys a lot but uh yeah the saint and dungeons and Dragons. the saint was horrible i'm sorry i'm not a fan of the val Kilmer movie i mean it's one of those properties like buck rogers or flash gordon or Quartermain. it's just like this is for fucking old people okay Maybe they'll find like a cool way into it. I don't know, but um, it's not a bad title, The Saint, but I don't know. If, if he was my client, wouldn't have done either of these movies. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, Chris Pine Dungeons and Dragons. No. Uh, okay, there's a Waterworld TV series. People were like, seriously, a Waterworld TV series? I actually think Waterworld has a pretty cool idea like at its core it's, it's it's a fascinating premise yeah the movie's not good but like the movie didn't do terribly it costs way too much especially for back then i think you could probably bring those costs down if you were to remake that movie but like you know gross like a quarter of a billion dollars worldwide like there was an audience for it people were curious um and costner and, and hopper i love gene triplehorn in that movie uh i don't know there's there's stuff to like in it. And I think if you got like the, a couple of fun leads, you could make a decent streaming series out of this. I mean, um, so, you know, this came out of an interview, a very fruitful interview with uh, John Davis and John Fox who produced Jungle Cruise, which we will talk about later in the show. Um, very nice guys those, you know, Frosty did all the interviews and, and he got some great stuff out of them. And one of them was this Wider World show, which is gonna be directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who I like, I, you know, he did 10 Cloverfield Lane. He's working on this new Predator movie, which we'll talk about in a second um yeah Waterworld. i mean it's for universal television in all likelihood this is going to be a peacock series which means in all likelihood no one's going to watch this but like for peacock it makes sense like that's your job is to exploit universal ip this is an ip that could actually be improved upon right you're not taking a top shelf ip and doing like oh here's the back to the future streaming series like no don't do that um but this is a a, a decent property or if, if I was to look again through like the IP library of a studio, this is one I would look to and identify as, yeah, we could maybe do something with this. So tough, tough to fault uh, Davis and Fox for this one. And, but yeah, I, I bet it's going to be for Peacock. Uh, they also said, let's talk about Predator then. So they said that, um, you know, the title of the movie is Skull, right? I don't think the movie is going to be titled Skull. I think that is a working title. You know, we, we wrote it up. I wrote it up. My name's on the story. Uh, and this wasn't really clarified for us until after it posted, but we weren't going to like walk it back because, you know, we, our job, my job is to report. And, you know, I have it on video right there. The producer saying this is the title of the movie. So we reported that. Uh, Skull is probably not going to be the final title of the movie. I have an idea of what the final title may be. I'm really not allowed to say it. I'm sure that'll, you know, they're going to be releasing a bunch of info on this movie soon because uh, they're already three quarters of the way through production. So I'm sure once it's wrapped, we'll hear a, li a little bit more. Um, I, I do think it will be, um, you know, Amber Midthunder, right? I think that's her name, uh, you know, who is the, the lead. Um, I think that is, you know, sort of been out there as well. Um, I think we even asked her about it on camera in an interview and she, she was like, I can't talk about it, but you know. <laughs> if there wasn't something to talk about that you couldn't talk about, like you would just be like, yeah, I don't know what that is, or I'm not involved with that. Like you would be allowed to talk about it. Uh, you know, basic human psychology works on so it's, it's like essential to so many of these scoops. You'd actually be surprised. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to Predator. The last movie, the last Predator movie was atrocious. I saw it up in Toronto. I think I was like going to see it as part of the festival, which I would have felt a lot better about, but I like, um, made plans and then the plans fell through and I was like you know what now I have nothing to do tonight I have no screenings I actually paid to see the movie in like a Canadian multiplex and the ticket price was absurd maybe like the most I've ever paid for a movie it was like $22 or something like that for a fucking ticket uh, and yeah it was fucking atrocious that last Predator movie I'm not a big Shane Black guy actually um <laughs> So I, I am a more of a Trachtenberg guy and, and that's why I do have some hopes for this. Plus it sounds totally different. It's like set in the, at the turn of the century or like in the 1800s, it's like early, early. It's, and it sounds like it's going to be like the Revenant or Apocalypto. Like, you know, not a lot of, 
it's just like I don't know I just like I like the vibe that I got from those guys in talking about it sometimes you can tell when producers are talking about something and it's sort of like bravado like you know sometimes you know when they actually have the goods and these guys actually seemed pretty confident we'll see uh, they also said that they're producing a fucking Eddie Murphy documentary about his like last time doing stand-up. It's going to be called The Last Stand, not to be confused with the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. It's going to be directed by Angus Wall, the two-time Oscar-winning editor of David Fincher, who won Oscars for The Social Network and um, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Big Eddie Murphy fan, definitely want to see him back on stage. Would, hope, would love to get a ticket to this. John Davis, John Fox hooked me up with some fucking tickets to Eddie's return to stand-up, yo. And uh, I wish them the best of luck on the project. I think that, you know, we'll see Eddie on stage once the pandemic dies down a little bit more. Um, but yeah, if I, if I was him, I wouldn't be going, getting up on stage. You, what do you have to prove at this point, right? Sebastian Stan uh, joined Julianne Moore in A24's Sharper, which is like a, a con woman type of, of story. It sounds interesting. Hawkeye getting a date on Thanksgiving. It's going to be playing um, for Thanksgiving. Here's the thing about this. A lot of Marvel stuff coming up. A lot of Marvel stuff. And I know everybody loves Marvel stuff, but will it be too much Marvel stuff? I think it might be. This is a lot. I mean, we're just finished three shows, right? WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki. I only finished one of those, of course. Uh, then we've got Shang-Chi, Eternals, Spider-Man 3, and now you're throwing Hawkeye in there? I might have saved Hawkeye for like January or something, but again, you, you, they want to just get those subscribers, like get them now, get them now, keep them now, right? It's just a lot. Yeah, it's a lot, man. Um, but I could see, you know, if, if Hawkeye starts at Thanksgiving, it'll go through, you know, Christmas to you know, maybe maybe the beginning of the year. Maybe we'll get a little break after that. Um, okay, let's go down this list. Bullet train. Wanted to talk about this because I put a lot of work in, into this. A lot of work when you consider I read a, an entire fucking book for it. Um, so yeah, I read Bullet Train. I really liked it. That was a fantastic book. It was just a page turner. Maybe it wasn't like, this is the greatest book I've ever read, but it was very, very entertaining. It's going to make a very, very entertaining, cool movie, I think, if, if David Leach does it right. And I'm not a big David Leach guy. I, I really like John Wick, but you know the others didn't really do it for me. Um, Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2 was bad, bad, bad. And um, uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. So I just think he needs the right material. I think this is the right material for him. I think it could be super cool in his hands. It has an amazing cast. So, you know, what happened is the pub publisher sent me this book. Uh, they gave me an excerpt. Um, and fortunately, it's a good excerpt, you know, like, uh, I don't do shit if it's not good. If, if it's going to waste your time, I, I, I feel like, fuck it. Um, but, it, you know, because I didn't think it would be a waste of time for you, I think it'd be a waste of time for me. So, uh, yeah, like, I think I had to, no, 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 I remember. Um, all right, so we have, we have the excerpt. And then what I did was I tried to give you a breakdown of the characters and who's playing who. Now, I don't have that full cast list, right? It's kind of very top secret. And, and I wanted there to be an element of surprise because you don't want to be waiting the whole time for a certain actor to show up as a certain character, like, there are some genuine twists and turns uh, in, in this story, um, unlike the track that this bullet train is on. So anyways, I, I, I was, you know, on IMDb, I think I had Brad Pitt, Joey King, and, and Aaron Taylor Johnson's roles, but like we got Andrew Koji to, to give up his role, um, you know, while he was doing press for, for Snake Eyes. Pretty sure I've managed to figure out Logan Lerman's role. Uh, yeah, like, you know, if you want to know about Bullet Train, this is definitely the article for you to so go over to Collider.com and check that out, or at least, you know, re read the excerpt, read a chapter from the book. It's only pages six to 15. So there's only one chapter before that you're, that you're missing. So it's totally fine to read and uh, see if you want to buy the book. Yeah, I have a copy too, if you're in LA and want to borrow it. Minamata, this is an interesting one. Andrew Levitas writing a letter to like, you know, MGM's board of directors or something like that, uh, basically begging them to, uh, you know, release this movie that stars Johnny Depp, you know, because of its themes and, and you know, the importance that it has to, to a certain community. And, um, you know, it, it tells an important story. And, and I agree that like, I'm one of those people who can separate the art from the artists. Like, do I think that people won't go see Johnny Depp movies anymore? I think that's bullshit. I think that's like, you know, a couple hundred thousand or, you know, people on, on Twitter 
maybe a million people on Twitter. So what? Um, I don't think Minamata was ever going to make a ton of money. So it's like, it's tough for me to like say MGM shouldn't be burying this movie because this movie was never going to make fucking money in the first place. But in that case, like why acquire it just to bury it? I was a classic Harvey Weinstein news uh, move. I mean, he would say, uh, you know, Bob, Bob, I want you to buy this movie and fucking bury it. You know, like, because they were developing something similar, whatever it was. Uh, fucking, fucking piece of shit, Harvey. Um, he's back in LA, by the way, fighting some charge that he's almost assuredly guilty of. Anyways, Andrew Levitas has a point. Like, okay, so Johnny Depp did some some bad shit. Like, I'm not condoning Johnny Depp's behavior at all. Uh, don't think Johnny Depp's a good guy at all. But yeah like you're gonna bury this movie that like hundreds of people worked on because of his legal trouble it just seems cowardly and counterintuitive to art you know let let the consumer be decide let let us make that decision I, i get that you know letting us make that decision means like giving this movie a bigger release than maybe you want to and then that financially exposes you so it's i am sensitive to like the business of it all behind it but as an artist reading that letter from Andrew Levitas, I, my heart did go out to him. Um, Cause you know, that's not his fault that, that uh, Johnny Depp's legal trouble re- reared its ugly head at the worst possible time. Uh, this is another like interesting situation. Sean Penn has been working on the show Gaslit, which, you know, paused, uh, you know, due, due to COVID or whatever. And he's like, I'm not coming back until vaccines are, are mandatory. Now it's obviously a very tricky political thing for, for someone to say, hey, we're, man- we're mandating vaccines now. Like we, as your employer, have a right to tell you what you put in your body. That is a slippery slope. But again, this is not the time to really fuck around. And Netflix did, it does now require vaccines. And I think that other companies will absolutely follow suit, whether it's Amazon or Apple or you know, Hulu, like with, with the show Woke, which has shut down three times now. I mean, it's fucking crazy. It's crazy. And, and the Delta variant is just really complicating things because it's so much more communicable. Um, so yeah, we still have to wear masks and wash our hands. And like, I just don't think that, that that's happening. I don't think we can go back to, to what it was before with a total lockdown. But at the same time, we can't continue like this because everybody's getting sick and, and uh, it's not good. So Sean Penn obviously, you know, really cares about testing and, and COVID and all that stuff. He, he set up that testing site at Dodger Stadium. He has a company and I don't blame him. He's like, I'm not coming back until everyone on this set is vaccinated. That's the way it's got to be. Good for him. Uh, he, if he has the clout on that set to do it, do it. I wish he had done it, you know, maybe before, but this is all moving so quickly and happening so fast. Like it's a week to week thing. So it, it sucks that he's costing the production money by, by shutting everything down with his absence, but hard to argue with the fight that he's fighting. Uh, Netflix nabbed the Brad Pitt movie Fast and Loose, which I, I no, it's a, sorry, it's a Will Smith movie. Excuse me, Will Smith movie Fast and Loose from David Leach, the same guy who's doing Bullet Train and everything. Um, and that's one where like Will Smith is like, you know, dual lives. Is he, you know, a, a gangster or a cop, that kind of thing. Uh, seems like a good pickup for, for Netflix and, and uh, you know, especially being in the bright business with him already. Jacob Lattimore joining the House Party remake. Oh, I did like Jacob Lattimore. He's a former up-and-comer of the month, I believe, for, for Slight. Michael Ward uh, joining Empire of Light, the Sam Mendes movie with Olivia Coleman. He was in, um, uh, was he in Top Boy? I'm totally blanking on, on which movie he was in. Um, I think that's what it was. He was good, I remember. He, was, he got like a Rising Star Award for it. Bradley Whitford joining Rosalind, the, you know, uh, Romeo and Julia revisionist take with Caitlin Deaver. Garrett Bradley is going to be directing Parable of the Sour for Sower, the Sour. So I, I don't know. Terrible title. No one wants to see a title like that. No one wants to see fucking parables. Uh, anyways, Garrett Bradley, who did time and, and got, you know, a lot of acclaim for that. It's going to be making an A24 movie. Why don't I just put it like that? Dylan McDermott coming back for Law and Order Organized Crime. He was good on that show, man. I'm glad that he's coming back. Uh, it may not be in the same capacity. It may be more of like a recurring thing than a series regular, but I'm glad they're not like letting that um, loose end just dangle. Um, YouTuber Shamook, who does deep fakes, apparently. He was recruited by Lucasfilm. For stuff like his Luke Sky, uh, like I guess there was a Luke Skywalker cameo in The Mandalorian, which he imp- improved upon despite not having access to the native uh, like VFX elements, and so he got a job with Lucasfilm. Like that's fucking awesome, man. 
how come how come it's VFX people? It's always like, look, I did these cool VFX, right? You know, now I have a job at, at Lucasfilm or wherever it is, ILM. It's never like, oh, I have a good idea for a movie or like, here's what I would do if I was a development executive. You don't get to be, no, no one calls you from the studios to be like, hey, I saw your video on YouTube. You want to be a development executive? That never happens. It's always fucking visual effects people. Damn it. Uh, okay, we've got trailers, reviews, and Oscar predictions. I don't think I have any mailbag questions this week. I'm not sure if I did. I didn't write them down. I'm not going to go back and check. Um, all right, let's talk about some fucking trailers first. We've got a trailer for King Richard. I think it looks fantastic. I thought that looked absolutely great. Put Will Smith down for an Oscar nomination right now. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm high on this movie. I think this is going to be a real contender. Uh, speaking of Sean Ten, we got a, a trailer for his new movie, Flag Day, which I thought looked good. I know he's been trying to make this for a long ass time. He ended up making it with his daughter, Dylan Penn, who's supposedly really good in it. I've heard mixed things about the movie overall, but I I didn't see the last face. I kind of like Sean Penn as a director. Um, and this is an interesting story about like a, a, a counterfeiter and like it's just like a, a kind of bad dad. It's based on this book, The Flim Flam Man. God, he's been trying to do this for ages. Lamb is like, looked fucking wild, man. There was one image in that trailer and it goes by in a, in a flash. You blink and you miss it, but it, it haunted me. Uh, I think it's like Numi Rapace, you know, having trouble either conceiving or they lost a child and then this lamb comes and it's like this fight between these parents and the lamb's mother. Fucking looks disturbing as hell. Definitely looking forward to that one. The Nighthouse. Searchlight still does not know what it's doing with this movie, okay? I don't, it's not hard. Just sell the movie for what it is. It's, it's that simple. They're trying to make it like, again, this haunted house conjuring type of thing. It's not that. This is a drama with a great performance from Rebecca Hall. Um, the movie's not great, but it's okay. And I do think that I, you got to have the cavalry cross in, sung in there. They, they refuse to engage with the main audio thing of this movie, which is that fucking song. Like that song needs to be part of the marketing material. The quotes that they use, the quotes weren't even fucking good that they picked. The trailer was like too short. No, it was just focused on bloody footprints. It's not that kind of thing at all. Um, Searchlight doesn't know how to do horror. They don't know how to sell it. It's why like, they don't know what to fucking do with antlers. They didn't know what to do with like Stoker. They don't fucking know how to sell this shit. And now that Steven and Nancy are gone, they definitely don't fucking know. And Searchlight, I love you. Like, I love you. But like, this is not your cup of tea. Leave this to Neon and A24. Get out of this genre business. This is not for you or your marketing team. This is not where your skills lie. Pass. Pass on this acquisition next time, okay? Uh, we got a trailer for The Gateway, which I actually, you know, thought looked fun. It's Frank Grillo, Shea Wiggum. These are like two of my favorite character actors. Fucking love Shea Wiggum. He's the man. I will watch this absolutely trashy B-movie for sure. And then two uh, really cool TV trailers. Dexter, fucking A. Uh, this is like my most anticipated show of the year now, for sure. Uh, pumped to see that character come back. Michael C. Hall looks great. Sign me up. And then another character returning who I love uh, and always have, Chucky. The Chuggy DV series, I don't know, like, I'm going to have to ask sci-fi for screeners or something because that shit looks fun. It's just, but, you know, that's Don Mancini. He knows who this character is. It's, it's Brad Dorff voicing again. Devin Sawa, I, I'm always a fan of, and I think he's playing dual characters. Like, fuck yeah, Chucky all the way. Uh, okay, movie time. Uh, I'll go backwards. The Evening Hour, a little indie from Braden King, uh, who, who, I, who I like, Braden King. Um, had high hopes for this movie based on the trailer. Trailer looked great. Movie was a little slow. Yeah, it was a little slow. And it, it, um, it stars Philip Edinger, who played uh, the young twins in, um, I want to say, I know you are, but what am I? That's not the title of it. The Mark Ruffalo Show. I know this much is true. Uh, he was good. He was good as young Mark Ruffalo. And I think that this Philip Ettinger kid has, he's got a little something, something. He's got like this Chris Abbott, Emery Cohen thing going on. Uh, I like him. But this movie was just a little too, 
we're an indie, we're going to take our time. Yeah, it was tough to re recommend the evening hour. Escape Room 2 was uh, stupid as hell and exactly what I knew I was signing up for. You know, I, I knew what I was getting into. It was, I want to see some rooms, but it was just like aggressively PG-13. Like there was like no blood at all. It was bloodless. Um, and not, not, not the best performances in, in that movie. That's like a step above like a Saw sequel, maybe. Uh, the Green Knight was not for me. I think I can, yeah, the, the embargo lifted on that. It comes out this weekend. Listen, visually stunning. A gorgeous movie. He's got a great eye, um, David Lowry. But he is just decidedly love it or hate it. He is hit or miss in my book. I hated Ain't the Body Saints. I hated A Ghost Story. And I really was not a fan of this movie either. Um, it was like, you know, a painting. But I'm sure it was like way too expensive for this kind of thing just moved at like a glacial pace. Dead Patel was fine. The movie only came to life for me when the, when the actual Green Knight is on camera or Barry Cogan, who I just think is like an electric performer. Um, but like Joel Edgerton, Alicia Vikander playing two roles. Nope, nope, didn't do it for me. This felt like a Ben Wheatley movie. Uh, and I don't mean that in a good way. Uh, Jungle Cruise, this was bad. This is not a good movie. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know who is giving this movie a pass. I don't know why critics are giving it a pass. Critics are just fucking embarrassing these days. What do you want me to say? What do you want me to fucking say? This movie was like... <laughs> I just... I No. Mm -mm. Nope. Sure. I mean, no. I can't even. I was going to say, yeah, The Rock has good chemistry with Emily Blunt. They have good, like comic chemistry but they have no romantic chemistry i'm not even sure if they're like i guess they're supposed to i mean at the end like she runs into his arms and gives him a big hug and i think they do kiss after that but like a hug like he he's just he's not a he's not a romantic lead i am sorry i am sorry Dwayne. you are not a romantic lead at all uh the jokes are corny it's just the here's the thing forget like you know knocking Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt like they are obviously two of Hollywood's biggest stars and are both very charismatic and I, and I do like both of them here's the problem with this and I knew it from the moment it was announced the toughest genre to do is adventure this is not an action movie this is not a comedy this is an adventure movie and adventure movies are tough Indiana Jones, which everybody wants to think is a great franchise, is not a great franchise, okay? It's old-fashioned adventure shit. And it's very, very tough to strike the right tone. You could think that Indiana Jones does. That's on you. I, I don't. But I, I will give you Indiana Jones. Still, that walks such a fine line. And Jungle Cruise... As soon as I saw Edgar Ramirez, like the CG Edgar Ramirez stuff, I was like, nope, this is like this movie all should have been done like in camera. The CG shit is horrible. The effects are horrible. Granted, I watched on like a laptop and everything, but like, I'm sorry, the script is bad. This is a bad script. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Jesse Plemons mugging for the camera. That, even that could not save this. You know, congrats to Disney on putting a, a gay character in a movie, but I'm sorry, this this is not this was uh, not not the, the movie for, for that. Um, or it's a shame. It's a shame that it turned out to be the movie for that because this is utterly forget forgettable. Sorry, Jungle Cruise. Uh, and then we'll move on to Stillwater. Finally, Stillwater was good. I liked it. I think Tom McCarthy's a, a really really good fucking director. Um, it's too long. Yeah, it's 138 minutes. Like, it's too long, man. I, I just don't know how an editor doesn't pull you aside and be like, this needs to be 15 minutes shorter. Like, for sure. Um, and I did doze off for a little bit. I think I was a little too low in my seat. And like, all of a sudden, like the, the subtitles were like, instead of two lines, I saw one line. And then I saw no lines and it was out. And I woke up like 10 minutes later. Um, so you know the heat and the French will do that to you but this is a good movie uh Matt Damon is great so I think it's like his greatest performance ever 
No, but it's very, very good. Uh, and also, you know, worthy of a nomination. So is Abigail Breslin for that matter. I thought Abigail Breslin was great. She is all grown up. She is no longer, you know, Little Miss Sunshine. Um, and she just, she impressed me with, with her work in this. Um, so I thought it was, it, it, it was nuanced. It, it felt like, she felt like a, a caged animal in a sense. And, and uh, Camille Cotan um, was quite good as well as, uh, as the female lead. It's Abigail Breslin is more of a supporting character. Um, so yeah, I, I would absolutely recommend this. I don't know that it's like gonna be best picture material, but like if you're looking for like a, a movie for grownups and an adult drama, this, this is the one to see. Um, meanwhile, crazy shit happened in my screening, guys. Fucking crazy, okay? Halfway through the movie, and thank God I, I wasn't sleeping through this or that the guy two rows in front of me wasn't sleeping. I hear this fucking noise and it's coming from above. It's coming from like the ceiling or just up there. And I don't know if it's like a speaker that's blown, but within seconds, this fucking thing falls from the ceiling. Turns out to be a 20 pound metal air conditioning grate, okay? It fell on the guy two rows in front of him. Maybe it didn't, maybe it wasn't a direct hit. Maybe he got his arm up in time because, you know, it made noise. Maybe it hit the chair in front of him and then like, you know, fell over on top of him. But either way, if this thing had hit him directly, I thought he was dead. I thought he was fucking dead. I thought he had had a concussion and like was going to be bleeding from the fucking skull when I got up there. I was up there in, I would say 0.4 seconds. Okay. I was at like, I, I leapt out of the seat, my book and my phone, which were on my lap. They like, I don't even know where they wound up in the theater. I run over to this guy. This is in the middle of the screening. All the top critics in Los Angeles are there. I'm like, you know, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like freaking out. This guy's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, you know, he, he shrugged off like it was nothing. And as soon as the movie was over, he fucking scrammed out. He didn't like, I, I, I had the great, I gave it to security. Theater manager comes out after the movie because I waited like for the lights to come up. I wanted to see like what the hell fell like and from where and everything. Theater manager was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like forget, forget you know, potentially killing this guy, just like the distraction in, in the, uh, I mean, don't forget that. That is the most important thing, but the distraction that, the, that it caused during the movie and everything. And he was just like, I'm gonna have maintenance in here inspecting every grate, which is exactly what I wanted to hear. That's why, why I stuck around. Cause I was like, I'm not fucking coming back to this screening room unless they inspect every goddamn grape. Because if I if that had been me, I, I could be dead. Like, it was fucking heavy. It was, I think that people thought that it was a speaker cover at first, which is like, you know, two pounds, nothing. Uh, but this was a serious air conditioner fucking metal grape for a movie theater. Couldn't believe it. Never seen anything like it. Um, all right. I don't think we got any mailbag questions. Uh, a reminder to do some mailbag. So let's try and offer some some very early best picture predictions, okay? We've got 12 movies here, 12, because I've definitely heard bits and bobs about certain movies like Dear Evan Hansen, Dune, all kinds of things. Power of the Dog, Don't Look Up. Heard a lot about Don't Look Up, actually. So here we go. Best picture predictions. Top of the list, eh, like everybody else, just because it's safe and it just seems irresistible, is House of Gucci from Ridley Scott. Got character posters today. <laughs> and uh, yeah, never mind. I'll say I'll save that joke for after a, a certain announcement, maybe next week. Um, number two, Nightmare Alley, Guillermo del Toro. Number three, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, Joel, that's Joel Cohen's movie with Denzel and Francis McDormand. And number four, Coda. That's right. It's the best movie I've seen all year. I think it's getting in. Number five, A Journal for Jordan. That's right. Denzel, Michael B. Jordan. Just got a good feeling about that one. Maybe I'm wrong. Six is the untitled Paul Thomas Anderson movie which again, just Paul Thomas Anderson, man. Like, what do you want me to say? Seven is King Richard. Eight is West Side Story from the maestro Steven Spielberg. And then the last two slots were tough. Now, I understand that this movie Blue Bayou got mixed reviews, but if you read the mixed reviews, they're just like, oh, this movie like so heavy handed, it hits you over the head, blah, 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 blah. 
here's the thing about that. I, first of all, I think it looks great. I think I said that last week. The trailer looks fantastic. Look at Crash. Look at Green Book. These are, I, I'm not trying to compare Blue Bio to those movies necessarily, especially sight unseen, but like, I think that those same accusations were lobbed at those movies. And I think that Blue Bayou could have the same success as those movies. I'll put it that way. Uh, so that is my tentative nine. If I had to do an alternate, I, I guess I'll go in the Heights because I think that there is room for, for two um, musicals this year with, you know, In the Heights and West Side Story. And I just think there's going to be a lot of support for In the Heights. And number 10, um, I'm going to go with Spencer. Just because I have a hunch. Uh, I think, you know, Princess, there's a lot of love for Princess Die. People really respect what, what uh, the career that Case Stu has built for herself since Twilight. Kristen Stewart, excuse me. Um, I also love Jackie. Some people have gotten down on Jackie uh, lately that, I, that I've been reading, but I really like Jackie. Now, Jackie had Natalie Portman. And Kristen Stewart's no Natalie Portman any way you slice it. But... Lady Di also seems a little bit more relevant than, than Jackie O. So Spencer is my 10 for the moment. If I had to do an alternate for that one, I would do The Last Duel, um, which just seems like it checks off like, you know, it's like Gladiator with like a Me Too angle or something. I don't know. But, you know, when people are like, don't look up the power of the dog, I'm not sure Nef this is going to be Netflix's year either. I think they're going to have their hands full competing against the studios. Um, so we'll see. And hey, THR followed on our Waterworld story. That's great, wonderful. Okay, that'll do it for us today. Thank you for watching this episode of The Snyder Cut. Um, stay safe out there, guys. And if you hear of a good apartment in Los Angeles, I got money to spend. I got buckaroos. I saved up. Living in a home the last year, guys. I just need a spot and one that doesn't pressure you to sign within like 20 minutes of you leaving out the door. I mean, it's crazy. They're just like, you can't even sleep on it these days. It's just like you apply to an apartment that you saw yesterday, it's, oh, it's taken. Wild. Anyways, that, that'll do it for me. Take care, bye.